0: Welcome to the Renew Northwest podcast, a ministry of Christ Church Bellingham. Renew Northwest is dedicated to helping the church in the Pacific Northwest be rooted in the gospel, wise in the scriptures, and equipped to engage the culture for Christ. Today's episode is a reading from a recent Renew Northwest article by Pastor Nate Walker. Find this and other articles about theology and the Christian life at RenewNorthwest.com. Hey everyone, Pastor Nate Walker here. Uh, reading uh, my uh, latest article on uh, the Renew Northwest. It's the second in a two-part series on baptizing babies. The first part was talking about the scriptural argument for why we, as a church, baptize the infant children of of uh, uh, church families. This article will be talking about the pastoral arguments. This is part two in a two-part series, and here it is. In my years of pastoral ministry, we have had many people come to our church who did not have a background in infant baptism. My experience is, for many people, when they hear the scriptural argument, that's what we talked about in the first article, they say, that makes sense, but I can see it both ways, Presbyterian or Baptist. It is generally when they hear what I call the pastoral argument, that they are convinced of the Pado baptist view. The babe the basics of the pastoral argument are that the Bible gives us permission to regard the children of believers as Christians who need to be discipled, not unbelievers who need to be converted. They are born in unless they choose out, instead of they are born out unless they choose in. This does not mean that they are automatically saved because their parents are believers. They absolutely need to have their own faith. But as I explain this approach to parents, they begin to realize how infant baptism is more consistent with their understanding of the gospel and a grace centered approach to parenting. In fact, I believe that many faithful Baptists do raise their children as Christians. And all I'm saying is that infant baptism is more consistent with, with how the children should be raised so i want to point out three points for the pastoral argument for infant baptisms the first is this is that grace comes before obedience grace comes before obedience the key issue is this grace powers obedience a person is first accepted by god by grace through christ then called to obey him. This logic is the heart of the Christian life and should be the most fundamental truth informing our parenting. Because very early on in a child's life, his or her parents are going to start demanding obedience. Not just obedience to them, but even obedience to God. They read scriptures to to their children like, children obey your parents, Ephesians 6.1. The children will be disciplined for failing to do this, and be told how displeased God is by sin. This is entirely appropriate. But we don't demand obedience from adult uh, Christian adults without first assuring them that their sins have all been forgiven in Jesus. Isn't obedience to God's word impossible for the unbeliever without the power of the Holy Spirit? If we demand obedience from children without giving them the gospel, we are training them in works righteousness which ultimately leads to spiritual death. So, for example, if we're making children obey Ephesians six one, children obey your parents. Shouldn't we also be preaching to them the first five chapters of Ephesians that these things are true of them? You've been, uh, you have been chosen before the foundations of the world in Christ, Ephesians one four. You have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of your inheritance, uh, uh, chapter one verses thirteen. And 14 you've been saved through faith by grace not of your own works chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 you are God's workmanship he has created good works for you so that you just have to walk in them Uh, That's chapter 2, verse 10. Christ dwells in you, and his love is beyond your comprehension. Chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. You have gifts given to you by Jesus so that you can build others up. Chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. These are the great blessings of being a Christian, being in Christ. The Lord intends for a child to have and know this grace before he is asked to obey Ephesians six one. The Christ, a Christian upbringing should, should include drinking deeply of the grace that is ours in Christ. But what happens if we demand obedience of our children without giving them this grace? Well, that's the second thing I want to point out, is that our children should not be treated as half-Christians. So grace comes before obedience, and our children should not be treated as half-Christians. Often parents don't believe they are free to give their children this grace. Can I tell my child he or she was chosen before the foundation of the world? Paul says it pretty confidently to the children in Ephesus. Can I tell my children they have the Holy Spirit? Or that they will be with Jesus and our family forever in heaven in the age to come? There's a common belief that children cannot become believers until they come to an age of accountability. Sometimes this age can be as old as 13 or even 18. But if they are not Christians for those first 13 years, what are they? It is strange to call them unbelievers or pagans. I mean, they go to church every week, they pray, they fellowship with Christians, they read the Bible. Sounds like a Christian to me. So instead of being treated as full-fledged members of God's family, they are treated as half-Christians. And the half they get is the law. Demands of being good and obedient are constantly placed on them, but they never get to be refreshed by the blessings of Christ. This has a deeply formative effect on children. It forms in them a sense that God is reluctant to welcome them, and they must reach some level of spiritual sophistication before they know God's full embrace. They often wonder, is something supposed to happen in me so I become a full Christian? What is it? Do I need to rebel so that I can have a compelling conversion story? If we delay baptism, especially if we wait until adolescence, we are training our children to think this way. All this is contrary to the gospel. Even though we would never explicitly say it, it communicates they earn God's approval by proving they are good or spiritual. Once we see fruit, then we will believe they are really Christians. But that is not how God forms life and obedience in people. Galatians three two says, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? It is a huge temptation for parents to think that by laying the law on our children, it will result in the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says it won't. I don't believe... This is what God intends for the children of his people. I think he wants them to grow up with a clear sense of identity and security in God's love. Children come into the world with eyes wide open, wondering, who am I? Baptism is the answer. In baptism, God is placing on them an identity, his name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Before they do anything good or evil, God acts and places his grace upon them and intends that their whole life will flow from that first act of grace. It is an identity that they are then reminded of over and over when they are disciplined for disobedience. Discipline becomes an opportunity for them to hear the gospel again. When they come to worship and eat at the Lord's table, God's covenant is renewed with them again. But still, don't they need to come to believe for themselves? And yes, that's the third point that I want to make in this article. So first, grace comes before obedience. So that's why their life should begin with the the promises of baptism. Second, our children should not be treated as half-Christians. The Bible does not regard them as half-Christians who are only given the law and not the gospel. But the third thing is that children make professions of faith throughout their lives. Children make professions of faith throughout their lives. Now, some Baptists would say, you are right. I shouldn't wait so long for my child to be baptized. Even if they profess faith at age three, we should baptize them. Now, this position is much closer in spirit to ours than other Baptist positions. But the reality is, why did the child say they believed at age three? only because you told them to. This is not functionally that different from bringing an infant for baptism. As a pastor, I've heard countless testimonies by new church members, and the vast majority say something like, my mom offered for me to accept Jesus into my heart when I was six. And I will sometimes ask, well, did you believe in Jesus before then? They always say yes. In fact, they don't remember a time when they didn't believe in Jesus. I believe the Bible envisions this as normal. Most Christian children will profess faith if the gospel is offered to them at a very young age. And we should believe them when they do. But someone will say, well, they only believe because their parents told them to. Yes, that's the point. That is how God intended it. We all come to believe the gospel by someone telling us, and God intends that Christian children would hear it from the earliest age from their parents. Now, this does not mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't have important moments of working in a child's life. What happened at 6 praying with mom? What happened at 13 when they went to camp? What happened at 19 when they went to college? Each of these moments that we call becoming a Christian are important moments of spiritually maturing. We should encourage them and create experiences that help cultivate these moments of awakening. But these can all still happen within the covenant security of baptism and church membership. These spiritual moments should be further nourished by weekly attendance at the Lord's table. In addition, throughout my children's upbringing, I've given them opportunities to profess their faith in Christ. At dinner, When we read the scriptures, if we ever come to a passage like John 6, 47, where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I'll go around the table and ask my children one by one, and do you believe? And when they say, I do, I believe them, and I praise God for it. And I assure them that flesh and blood has not revealed this to them, Matthew 16, 17, but the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. Has given them faith. All of this really comes from the logic of the gospel. Just by placing our children in our homes, in our church, God has already done a tremendous work of grace in their lives. Baptism makes grace the defining mark of their lives from the beginning. And God intends for this to be normal for the children of God's people. May our children always know. And cherish the steadfast love of God that is theirs in their baptism. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Renew Northwest podcast. If you've been blessed by this content, please leave us a review, like, and follow the show, or share this episode with friends or family who you think would enjoy it. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter at renewnorthwest.com.